Hello, welcome to the Romance Me Podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to say a special hello to our number one and only fan, Arrows and Bows. Today we'll be discussing Bows and Arrows by Ava Devlin. In a quiet, snow-covered town, grade school teacher Noor expects to deal with the chaos of Family Fun Day, not ancient Greek gods running amok. She planned and the gods laughed. I was so... Wow, that was a little too... I I don't know. I'm judging myself. It's very theatrical. You're good. (laughs) Amidst the mayhem, she pairs up with Ethan, the single father of a former student, both to find his child and to help tame the wild love magic. But with so much love in the air, how can Nor know if her developing feelings for Ethan are real? There will be spoilers beyond this point. So what brings Nor to the little quiet village of Crete, New York? Yes, the fictional, lovely village of Crete, New York. Yes. Yep, yep. <laughs> I was like, I want that place to be real. So I looked it up and it's not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nor fell in love with the town, I guess. That's really how the story begins. She says she fell in love and she moved there and she picked a house specifically close enough for her to walk to work, which is the grade school, and specifically so that her route to walk passes by the little church that she just loves to look at. That's her favorite landmark. Her mom, I don't know if we hear about her dad really, I don't remember a dad being mentioned. Her mom doesn't really like that she moved there. She thinks she's limiting herself. But Nor is a creature of routine and she wants to have beautiful routines in her life. And that involves this walking to work routine that she does even when it's freezing ass cold outside. She says she walks to work <laughs> unless it's unsafe. <laughs> what? Okay. She's braver than braver man than I. <laughs> <laughs> she and I have different definitions of unsafe, but that's fine. You know, <laughs> you do you, Nor. Mm-hmm. Nor is of South Asian descent. She refers to herself as Desi, and she's the quote only brown person in a white town. But it doesn't really come up in the story. Well, I mean, and it depends how the character identifies culturally. Yeah, there were a lot of places in the story where I feel like, well. It would be nice if the author went a little deeper there. Yeah. Especially considering that this story covers like, I mean, Greek gods are real. Yeah. So that kind of brings up the question, well, are other gods real? Yeah. Other deities from other cultures? Yeah. At any rate, Nora is a creature of habit and she likes to walk to work and it's snowy because it's, I think it's actually Valentine's Day, although it's not specified. I don't remember it being specified. Because that would be a weird day to have family fun day on. I know. But then at the end of the book, they specify that it's on Valentine's Day, which is like the anniversary of what happened the prior year. And I was like, what? Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to say it's in February. (laughs) Okay. Nora's dressing in layers because it's freezing ass cold outside and she's walking to work like normal. She wants to get there early. It's part of her routine. I don't know. That's where she finds her joy, I think. Life's little pleasures. And at work, it is Family Fun Day, which is sort of a parent-teacher-student conference slash back-to-school night slash chaotic assembly. 
<laughs> of all the students and their respective adults. Nor has a favorite student from last year, Aaron Weaver, who was the only kid last year who didn't have a parent show up. Nor's pretty salty about that. That really rang true to me. I really liked that she was mad at this parent. I used to work at a school and I would get mad at parents. You're being mean to your kid. You're being bad to your kid. Can you (laughs) (laughs) you suck it up and be an adult and be there for your child, please? (laughs) So (laughs) I liked that she was kind of salty about it. I could relate. (laughs) But last year, Aaron was really upset because his dad didn't come to Family Fun Day. So Nor had spent the day with him and had taught him how to make paper airplanes. Well, since that day, that fateful day, Aaron has weaponized this paper plane knowledge. (laughs) As kids will do. (laughs) He has it down to an art form (laughs) at this point. A little future engineer here. Maybe. (laughs) Nor is worried about him, though, this year because she thinks, well, maybe he's going to be the only kid without a parent again. And that would really suck. And I want to be there for him. And. Not only that, if I get to him sooner, he's less likely to act out due to his feelings. Yes. She goes looking for him and she finds him in the auditorium, but he's already accompanied by a person who is a very well-dressed, unknown man who apparently is a substitute teacher, according to Miss Mayflower, the principal. However, Nora's a little concerned because (laughs) this man is helping Aaron make paper airplanes. (laughs) And she does that thing where you kind of sidle over so you can hear what they're saying. But no, I'm not really paying attention to you guys. I have business over there. (laughs) Don't mind me. I'm just eavesdropping. And she overhears the man telling Aaron about how you need to have intent when you throw the planes for the magic to work. (laughs) Nora's a little like, okay, that's not necessarily good. (laughs) (laughs) She takes a closer look at this guy. He's got wings etched on the heels of his shoes. She's thinking this guy's kind of (laughs) weird. She kind of beats herself up over it a little bit later, but she doesn't intercede. And after reading the book and getting to the end, it kind of seems like the gods have like this sort of bubble around them where oh well you don't really pay attention to them (laughs) unless they want you to so i'm wondering if this (laughs) this is what prevented her from interceding or intervening yeah she continues watching while aaron throws a paper plane at ms mayflower the principal and it hits her in the butt (laughs) right And instead of getting upset like she normally would, because Miss Mayflower is a very severe sort of person, (laughs) she giggles. And then she saunters over to the custodian and whispers something in his ear that makes him blush. And then they (laughs) leave together. (laughs) Nor is like, WTF. (laughs) But before she can react, or who knows if she even can... There are now paper airplanes flying all over the auditorium, and there are people in this auditorium. It's not just those people. And I was a little confused when we got to this point, but I think that's what it was. Like all the parents and students and whoever were starting to gather in the auditorium, and then all of a sudden these paper airplanes start flying around and hitting people, (laughs) causing chaos. (laughs) Because the people who get hit start behaving 
strangely and amorously. (laughs) But they also, it doesn't seem to be like just a wild orgy going on. It's these people definitely have intent. They have target for their affection. Yes. There may be someone that they've been eyeing and who has eyed them already. They have someone already in mind. Okay. So we get a tiny time jump of two hours. And I think that in this two hours, there was a lot of chaos going on. We don't get a whole lot of that. But during that point, people started pairing up, acting weird. Chaos ensued. Aaron went missing. And Nor grabbed the first coat she sees and runs to Aaron's house to try to find his dad, Ethan. First, she tried calling Ethan, but Ethan didn't pick up. So that's why she's going to his house. When she gets there, he opens the door. He he looks completely different from how Nora expected. The times that she has seen him, he's dressed in more frumpy clothes, usually baggy. He has a distracted sort of air about him. But the Ethan who answers the door instead is embodying sexy, disheveled artiste. So completely (laughs) different. (laughs) Immediately, of course, Nora thinks he's hot because why wouldn't she? Who doesn't like a sexy sculptor guy wearing a tight shirt and covered in marble dust, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. He's a little upset, though, because Nora has shown up. There, there's obviously something wrong, <laughs> but she can't seem to quite spit it out. And she also blames Ethan for the fact that his son is missing. She feels like if Ethan had come to Family Fun Day as Aaron's parent, like he's supposed to, Aaron wouldn't have magicked airplanes into people and made them act like this. <laughs> it's Ethan's fault. Do you think it's interesting how quickly she believes, like, yes, it's magic doing this? It is interesting, but... What other explanation is there, really? I just, I'm kind of curious. (laughs) I don't know if I would, I don't know. It's one of those, like, I wonder how I would react in that. Would I be like, okay, well, it must be magic. Or if it would be more like, okay, I don't think it's magic, but whatever it is, your son's involved and we need to go deal with this. Yeah, I would probably have a longer period of denial, but... I don't know what other explanation I could possibly have. Yeah, I know. Magic, I guess, is just potentially code for not understanding the thing, right? Yeah, science yet not known or something, maybe. And there's really no reason to think that it's not magic. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm always just curious. Don't think too hard about it, Em. Okay. <laughs> I will try. I can't promise that I will. (laughs) I have found in this book, in this book, there are plenty of places where it's like, oh, if I start thinking about it too much, it falls apart. So just don't. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Ethan does finally get it out of Nor that his son is missing and everyone is now acting strangely and she wants him to come help her find him and he needs to drive because I guess she doesn't have a car. Hmm. Or if she does, she doesn't ever use it because she always walks to work and she gets rides to work when it's, quote, unsafe. I don't know. It was anyway. Like I said, don't think too hard about it. <laughs> like I said, I'll try. She wants Ethan to drive. <laughs> um, she also is obviously salty at Ethan over all this. And he can tell that she feels angry that she seems to have 
place some blame on his shoulders. <laughs> Ethan, he seems really, he's kind of take charge about the situation. He takes a Nor's outfit, which is an ill-fitting coat. And he's like, yeah, you can't go out like that. So he finds her some gloves and a hat she can wear while they go look for his kid. And he's like, go get the car started and I'll come join you and then we'll go to the school. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> he's maybe in denial. No, my kid can't be missing. <laughs> You're lying. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. <laughs> she hasn't really explained either what is going on. She just kind of has said, oh, yeah, people are acting weird. Weird things are happening. <laughs> but as they leave the house to start driving to the school, there are people ballroom dancing in the front yard. <laughs> Nor says something like, oh, I can't believe it's got this far. Like it's some kind of virus or something. <laughs> the spread. But that's the point where she admits to herself that it's probably magic making people fall in love. I think up to that point, she was hoping it wasn't. <laughs> But now, now she's okay. Like, all right. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is what we're dealing with today. <laughs> Go me. When they get to the school, it is almost eerie how quiet it is. It is not what Nor was expecting. Nor and Ethan go to the auditorium and they find some teens just camping out in there. The teens say they weren't hit. So they helped set up the other kids in classrooms they tell Nor that the kids in her class were with Hazel's class. Hazel is Nor's teacher friend. And Nor thinks, oh, thank goodness, Aaron must be in Hazel's class, because that's who's his teacher this year. But when they get there, he's not there. Nor and Hazel and Ethan all go out into the hallway so as not to disturb the students who are watching a movie. And Nor tells them, <laughs> I put this as a quote because it's really funny. Nor says, look. This is going to sound nuts, but your kid is creating magical paper airplanes and throwing them at people. <laughs> <laughs> Some stranger in a designer suit showed up and taught him how, and now both of them are gone. <laughs> Ethan surprisingly seems to be pissed instead of disbelieving. And he says, the guy in the suit, blonde, cherub cheeked. And was he wearing wings anywhere on his person? <laughs> Embroidered on his jacket, maybe? Painted on his shoes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Nora's like, um, how did you know that? <laughs> and then Ethan, immediately, he's like, oh, I know what's going on. This is happening, and I know how to handle it. <laughs> so he says, well, were any of the teens hit? Hit by paper airplanes, obviously. Hazel says, oh, yes, but they probably just snuck off to make out. And Ethan says that Hazel needs to stay with the kids in the classroom. And he grabs Nor by the arm and says they're going to go look behind the bleachers. Ethan is pretty sure that the teens did not just sneak off to make out. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he has concerns. <laughs> as, as, uh, as Ethan is basically marching Nor <laughs> down to the bleachers. <laughs> he's opening classroom doors and extracting various couples of all ages. <laughs> We're all mildly embarrassed and end up following them. They get the teens out from behind the bleachers and herd everyone back to Hazel's class. <laughs> and the whole time this is happening, Nora is becoming more and more attracted to Ethan. She's realizing her initial assessment of him was maybe incorrect. She thought he was maybe kind of scatterbrained or 
didn't care. And now she's realizing that that isn't the whole story. And she likes how take charge he is about the situation. And she also kind of thinks to herself that, well, it's a good thing I didn't get hit by one of those planes so I can control myself. (laughs) Oh, really? Can you? (laughs) They give all the different couples tasks that will keep them separated. And they also give them chaperones. (laughs) You need a keeper. (laughs) A minder. And then there's a stopping place where it's like, okay, now what? And Norris says, well, where is... Aaron's favorite place in town. And he likes the park a lot. And he likes this particular diner a lot. But the park is within walking distance. So they decide to go there. Nor has since found her actual outerwear and has given Ethan back his gloves and hat so he doesn't freeze to death. And when they walk to the park and discover that Aaron is not there, Nor finally realizes that Ethan is actually worried about his kid. Up until this point, she thought it was weird that he wasn't. And now she's realizing, no, he is. This is how he handles being worried. Yeah. And so therefore, he's not a complete asshole because he loves his child. (laughs) That's good. But it doesn't make sense then. If he's not absent-minded and he is take charge and he does care about his kid, why doesn't he go to family fun day? Yeah. I think that's a good question that doesn't really get answered. Yeah, I felt that way too. I was just like, he clearly cares, but I don't feel satisfied with the amount of answer if there is any. Yeah, the explanation that he gives her, because at some point later she asks him, and the explanation he gives her is like, well, I thought it didn't matter to him, but now I realize it does. Like, what? Yeah. (laughs) Of course it matters to him. (laughs) You're, dude, I... I mean, maybe there is, but I can't think of a single child who doesn't want their parents to go to their stuff. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, they go to the church. I think they're passing by the church or something, but it's packed with people because everyone wants to get married now. And the pastor at the church is having a panic attack, essentially, (laughs) over the inundation of new couples when the pastor sees Nor and Ethan, he's like, no, not another one. I can't. <laughs> Nor reminds Ethan that they were able to snap the people at the school out of it by distracting them or surprising them or whatever. And they still seemed in love, but not single minded about it. So Ethan gets the bright idea that they can herd everyone into the church to sit down. And then he can set off the sprinkler system, which will shock the people <laughs> with cold wetness and get them to snap out of it. Nor gives him a big old kiss on the mouth, calling him a genius. Oh, that's amazing. You're so smart. I love that. She's a little, um, after the kiss, she's a little uh, surprised at herself, but just goes with it. And she doesn't really let herself pay attention to Ethan's reaction to this kiss either. I think she's a little embarrassed about it. The pastor does tell them that he saw Aaron earlier. And Aaron was actually the ring bearer (laughs) for the Mayflower Hubble wedding. (laughs) So (laughs) the first wedding that the pastor did was the principal and the custodian. (laughs) (laughs) Ethan says, who was the witness? It turns out the well-dressed man with the wings on his shoes was the witness. (laughs) (laughs) And they left after the wedding, but the pastor overheard them talking about pancakes. Hmm. 
(laughs) (laughs) So we have some clues. Ethan's plan to shock all the couples into a less amorous state works. And then Nora and Ethan borrow the pastor's truck and drive over to the diner. This is Aaron's other favorite place. And Ethan suspects that's where they would go to get pancakes. On the way, Ethan tells Nora that, well, Aaron didn't tell me about Family Fun Day. That's why I didn't show up. (laughs) And Nora says, yeah, no, that's not your kid's fault. You could have found out about it a million other ways. There was a letter sent home and it's all over town and everyone's talking about it. And it's your responsibility as the adult. I'm kind of saying, but not saying. Ethan accepts this. I think he accepts responsibility at that point. But I still, I don't feel satisfied with that resolution to the whole family fun day thing. I just don't. Neither did I. And that, I think, is... The main issue that I have with the Ethan Nor pairing, because how can she get over it so yeah. easily? I was wondering, like, is it some of this magic <laughs> stuff that's involved? Or why? Why is this such a non-issue for her? I mean, it's an issue-ish until it, what, gets in the way? It's an issue until Ethan's yeah. hot. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. That old chestnut. <laughs> Well, he's hot, so it's fine. (laughs) I I hear the argument. I just resist. When they get to the diner, it seems normal. It seems like a normal diner experience. It doesn't seem like the magic spread there. Unfortunately, Aaron is not there. Ethan and Nor stop and get something to eat. Ethan says it's fine for them to do this, to take this break. Because he now knows who Aaron is with, and as long as Aaron is with Hermes, he is safe, even though he's missing. I guess that's okay. I still, though, like this other person took your kid out of school and went on this wild goose chase with you, and you're fine with, like, oh, I'm sure he's safe. Like, okay. Yeah. If you say so. It's things like that that made me start to wonder, like, is he really his dad or... Because they're gods, right? Like, who knows what gods can do? Was he made by a god? I'm just, I'm confused. The level of, I don't know if it's passiveness, but like, laissez-faire? Or I'm just sitting there going, what? 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 No. (laughs) It's at this point where we kind of learn that the gods kind of enter and leave people's lives and you don't really think about it. So maybe it's part of that, like the godly magic of Hermes or something doesn't allow Ethan to be that upset. Yeah, I mean, if it is, then I, as much as I fight against being expressly told things by authors, I kind of need that or something along those lines here. I think it would have been good to have more knowledge about how the world works. However, that is given to us. Yeah, some clarity. Yes. At the diner while they're eating, Ethan tells Nor that Aaron's mother is a literal goddess who is not part of his life, and Aaron has inherited some gifts from his mother. Aaron's uncle, the well-dressed, winged-shoed man, likes to meddle. Ethan met Hermes in high school, and Hermes introduced Ethan to his cousin, Dita, aka Aphrodite. Ethan and Aphrodite had a fling and then she disappeared and they all like Hermes and everybody kind of disappeared from Ethan's life and he didn't really like it didn't matter. 
He doesn't really think about it. But then later, Dita shows up with a baby and says, oh, here's your baby. Bye. And then she leaves again. However, she does send some sort of child support in the form of art patrons for Ethan's sculptures, (laughs) which I thought was kind of fun. I enjoyed that. And because of her uh, patronage (laughs) or, or whatever, Ethan is pretty decently off. He's able to care for his kid and be a single parent and buy a house and do all the stuff. He hasn't really felt any money Mm -hmm. issues, at least. So that happened. And then seven years pass. Ethan doesn't really think about it that time of his life. He just, oh, now I have a kid. I've just always had a kid. Okay, sure. Why not? But when Aaron is seven, Hermes shows up on Christmas with a bunch of gifts and spends the day with Aaron. At the time, Ethan was like, oh, yeah, of course, you know, you're his uncle. Yay. Of course, it's fine. Which makes me think it's probably the same situation yeah. going on now it has something to do with Hermes, yeah. right? Or his his godness <laughs> or whatever. But at one point on that Christmas, Aaron started throwing these foam juggling balls at the guests who then began being amorous with each other. And Ethan had to make them all leave. And it turns out all those people at his party are all now happily married to each other. So it worked, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And he even acknowledges when he's telling this story to Noor that he doesn't really have memories about Hermes and Dita. They just show up when they show up and they leave when they leave. And he doesn't really think about it when they're not there. And he didn't really think about these memories until this started happening. It's just (laughs) bizarre. (laughs) So we get a little bit about how the world works. And it honestly, it makes sense that, you know, if you do have a world where gods can just kind of interject themselves into people's lives and meddle and whatnot, it makes sense that it doesn't really stick with those people, the memories of the gods themselves. It's kind of an interesting take on the idea. I do wish there was some more, though. At this point, Nora and Ethan are holding hands over the table. (laughs) Nora apologizes, I think, for being mad at him earlier or something, which I thought was like, whatever, Nora, you were rightfully mad. (laughs) Ethan admits he should have come to the family fun day. And then they're interrupted by a waitress who mentions that Aaron and his uncle went back to the school with some sandwich platters. I forget which one it is. One of them asks the waitress, well... So they were here, but everything's fine. Like nothing happened. (laughs) The waitress says, well, I got hit by an airplane, but I shut that down (laughs) right away. (laughs) Not today, Satan. And it turns out, (laughs) right. (laughs) But she's, she's already happily married. And so maybe that's why she wasn't affected, I think, is what Norse wondering. Ethan goes off to pay the bill and... Nor sends a text to Hazel to see if Aaron showed up at the school. As she gets out of the booth to leave, she realizes she's been sitting on one of the airplanes. And now we have doubt and confusion. Oh no, did it affect me? Was Ethan this hot before we went to the diner? Was I this into Ethan before? <laughs> and and okay, I can get having like a little moment where you're like, oh no, did it affect me? But She could think back to this morning where she overhears Hermes saying that it has to be with intent. Yeah. So, okay. She grabs the airplane and hides it in her purse quickly. Before they go back to the school, they decide to check out the town square. It's now evening, so the square is all lit up. It's snowy. It's beautiful. They find Hermes there. 
just casually leaning against a light post. He seems to be waiting for them almost. <laughs> we get a little explanation for the airplanes slash arrows and that they only enhance the visibility of an existing connection between people. Hermes says that he had walked Aaron home and left him there. Apparently Aaron is now worried he's going to be in huge trouble. Ethan is getting mad at Hermes, <laughs> I think rightfully. Nor interrupts and says Ethan should probably just go home and be with his kid. <laughs> also kind of rightfully. Mm. <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do? Arrest yeah. Hermes? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's so tricky with characters like that, right? If you feel like justice is earned, but they're so amazing that nobody else can do anything about it. <laughs> yeah. So Ethan asks Nora to go home with him and help him talk to Aaron. He's worried at, at his capacity to discuss the events <laughs> of the day with his own child. Once they get to Ethan's house, they have a brief moment of awkwardness in the garage. Do they like each other? Was eating at the diner a date? Will there be kissing? They're interrupted by Aaron, who has heard someone come home and is looking for his dad. Ethan gives him a big hug and says that he should have told him about his Uncle Hermes a long time ago. They go into the kitchen and Ethan starts making hot chocolate while Aaron snuggles up with Nor. Aaron and Nor are pretty close um, ever since the prior family fun day when Nor stayed with him. While they're drinking their hot chocolate, Nor tells them about how she's planning to talk to the town council about turning Crete into a tourist location. This was brought up at the beginning of the story too. I guess Crete is a quiet, sleepy town and she's worried it's going to die out and so she wants income to come in and revitalize the town or something. They do have a talk with Aaron, aka Cupid, Eros, but Aaron confirms for them that the magic only strengthens existing connections and he also can kind of hear or feel the people that he hit with mm -hmm. the airplanes, but over the course of the day it's gotten quieter. And he also says it's not just people coupling up. Like, I guess one person bought a house. Some other people went to go get pets. And one guy <laughs> went to take a nap. <laughs> Ethan then has a talk with Aaron with help from Nor, kind of interjecting important points about appropriate use of his powers. Nor says that she's proud that Aaron recognized things got out of control and wanted mm -hmm. to go home. Ethan says he's proud of him, too. Aaron asks them both to tuck him into bed. So Aaron is very accepting of Nor in his life. Yes, yes you're meant to be here. <laughs> Obviously. You get a little moment at that point where it's like, oh, well, thank goodness that's <laughs> over. <laughs> then Ethan asks Nor if she wants to stay a little longer, and he puts on some tea for them. Nor is still privately freaking out over the airplane at the diner. Is she actually attracted to him or is it the arrow? She did kiss him in the church and that happened before the diner. So I don't know. <laughs> she pulls the airplane out of her purse and she confesses that she sat on it at the diner. And Ethan asked if it affected her. And if so, who? Because <laughs> he doesn't want to assume it's him, I guess. He's trying to be nice or something. <laughs> Nor says she doesn't know if it affected her or not. That's why she's telling him about it. And then Ethan confesses that he's been wanting to win her over since she first came over and he was worried he wouldn't be able to. Due to his, what, poor parenting skills? Yeah, due to how <laughs> mad she was initially. <laughs> A valid concern, Ethan, yes. 
Yes. In most cases, you were, you would be right. <laughs> they hold hands and then he kisses her and he asks her to stay. And she says, what, tonight? And he says, to begin with. And then he says, well, I can take the couch if you want. I just don't want you to leave. <laughs> so she does stay the night. And then we get an epilogue for one year later. And Crete is now becoming a tourist location. It's known in the media as maybe even the most romantic place in America due to the airplane incident and all the weddings. <laughs> Ethan and Nora are now engaged and they're happy. And that's the end. Yay! I did want to talk a little bit about consent in this story. It's mm-hmm. kind of a weird thing. It's a very fluffy story. And obviously everyone who got together wanted to be together due to the magical nature of the airplanes and whatnot. But as we discussed before we started recording, um, when you're intoxicated, like with alcohol or something legally, at least in the US, you can't consent to sex, right? Right. And I kind of feel like, okay, well, alcohol can lower one's inhibitions and make you feel kind of amorous and more likely to engage with someone that you may have already wanted to engage with. But legally, you can't consent, even though you may feel like you're consenting. And I kind of feel like this magic is almost like that. It lowers one's inhibitions, make you more likely to form that connection or to pursue that connection that already exists. But are you actually consenting to those actions at that point? Because you're under the influence of Cupid's love spell, right? Right. And I think you said, well, maybe it's fine because they're gods. So it's a natural force. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, just sort of (laughs) thinking it through, trying to. (laughs) Or they're above the law because they're gods. I don't know. It just raises questions. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an interesting thing that didn't really get pursued in the story whatsoever. And I don't know that it needed to be really. Yeah, I don't know that it needed to be. Like I said, I had questions that felt unanswered. There's a lot of things that could have been deeper. Like the status of Ethan's single parenthood. What is that? How does that work for him when he doesn't even really remember having the kid? Is that why he's so neglectful? Why is it okay that he's neglectful? It obviously impacts Aaron. Yeah. I don't know why it seems to not really be addressed. I I don't know. It, it felt unsatisfying. Kind of like the will of the gods thing. <laughs> yeah. Where it's just like, I just have more questions. And maybe, maybe because the feel-good, lighthearted nature of the story didn't really lend itself to answering these kinds of questions it's hard to have feel good and take on questions of consent (laughs) yeah heavy topics (laughs) or questions of appropriate parenting (laughs) right (laughs) i mean especially well i was thinking well if you think of the gods as parents i mean if you're buying into like the the greek origin stories with the gods and And i kind of wonder well like i said at the beginning are the greek gods the only gods yeah or are there others fair question i think that would be interesting to know it makes sense that we don't know in this book i guess maybe although you could hint especially if it's supposed to be a series right yeah i don't know i didn't build the world (laughs) yeah so i did look up that there is a second book and i guess hazel is the female love interest in that book ah 
Aaron does cause, I think, what happens for her. Oh. So, I don't know. It seems like, well, maybe the author's going with this Cupid theme. I also learned that this author hasn't really written contemporaries before. This is their first contemporary. Oh, okay. They write primarily Regencies, I think. There was no audiobook, so I guess we could move on to their happy. Okay. Are you happy for them? Uh, I wanted to be happy for them, but I confused. <laughs> You're confused? Yeah, I guess because especially for Nora, like, Aaron being taken care of was really important to her. Yeah. And then it was just like, oh, I forgive you. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> it does make me wonder, like, is she genuinely happy or is this, I mean, I know that I'm told that, no, this is her free will and it has nothing to do with whatever the gods were doing. But is it because she's in Ethan and Aaron's orbit that the gods are still messing with her? Well, I kind of wonder because at the beginning of the book, Aaron and Hermes talk about why his dad doesn't date or whatever. And Aaron has asked him that before. And he says, well, your mother was a goddess or something like that. But it does make you think, well, maybe Aaron wants a mother figure in his life because his dad sucks at <laughs> being a parent. And he likes yeah. Nora a lot. They're very close. So did he orchestrate that? Yeah, it raises questions. Which kind of makes it a bit darker, really, <laughs> of a story. Yeah. <laughs> I find my brain does that a lot. I'm I'm not sure it really does a disservice to the writers or the story, but it does tend to like, oh, this this story seems so happy and carefree. And my brain going, no, I will find the darkness that lurks and hides. It's not very fair, I don't think. I don't think it was the intent of the author, or at least not it. in such a dark way. <laughs> But if it is, well played. <laughs> well played. <laughs> A nice dark syrup over the happy frothy ice cream of this story. <laughs> yeah, I I kind of struggled being happy for them because this is one of those stories where they're not really in a relationship. Yeah. You get a time jump and now they are. So I guess it's fine. I don't know. I have no way to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't feel like they really earned it or anything happened to test their love. And I mean, yeah, sometimes falling in love is easy and, and nice and simple and all those things. But I mean, you still have to work to be in a relationship with each other. Yeah. Well, let's rate them. How do you rate Nor? I <laughs> Feel free to laugh. I rated hers awesome. There were many things that okay. I really liked about her. Um, but then there's things like I pointed out at the happy part that just, they just didn't add up for me. And I don't know why they're not adding up. So that affected how I felt about her. When push came to shove, I was kind of feeling like she's more in love with the town than she is with Ethan. Like I felt that more. Oh, yeah. I, I don't feel like that's poor Ethan, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. It's sort of like, well, you check a box. <laughs> You'll get my mother off my back. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I didn't feel it. But anyway, I think for <laughs> for her as a heroic heroine, yeah, she was just, she was awesome for me. What about you? I rated her awkward. I do think she had awesome elements, but 
like you, I feel like most of it didn't go as deep as I would like. Mm -hmm. There are things about her that were potentially really cool, like how much she cared about Aaron, for example, that then fell flat when she decides to just sweep the neglectful parenting under the rug and fall in love with Ethan anyways. Yeah. Things like that, I kind of struggled with a bit. It's like, how do we reconcile that in this story? And it really isn't. Yeah. And I need more of that. I need to understand why she would make a choice like that for me to think she was not awkward. (laughs) Yeah. Well, how did you rate Ethan? I rated Ethan awkward. Kind of almost awful. (laughs) Yeah. I couldn't root for him for anything because I felt like Nor made too many good points. <laughs> like, yeah, why yeah. were you being a <laughs> lukewarm at best parent? <laughs> I don't understand. And then trying to blame his kid, too. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, Nor shows up and he's just like, oh, let me make sure, you know, you're safe to go out in the cold weather. I'm like, did you do that for your kid? I mean, <laughs> maybe, yeah. maybe I'm being utterly unfair. I don't think that's you are. entirely possible. <laughs> I'm not necessarily known for my fairness sometimes. Yay, I'm glad he feels something, maybe, but I have questions, and I don't feel like they got answered. I don't feel satisfied with the resolution of his arc. So, yeah, I put in my notes, I just don't get him. (laughs) (laughs) So that's the best I can do for the quote-unquote hero. I think that's a fair assessment. (laughs) What about you? I rate him awkward edging down toward awful. Okay. So same. I didn't rate him pure awful. <laughs> because he does have some some good elements. Like I really liked the scene at the church where he comes up with the plan to shock everyone into some sense of sobriety. Mm-hmm. That's kind of interesting and fun. I also liked how he was pretty take charge. Like once he realized what was going on, oh, this is Hermes doing you know, he figured he knew what he was doing. He figured it out. He did his typical hero, you know, the typical hero stuff. But where he really fell flat for me was one, which we've been talking about, the neglect to his own kid. Yeah. And why? Yeah. <laughs> Is that a lasting effect of having dealings with the gods? Like they want him to be more hands off? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. So even at the end where he's where where Nor has decided that he does care about his kid and maybe he just needs to go home and be with his kid and whatnot. And Ethan wants Nor to help him have that parental talk with Aaron. Like you can't have that talk with your own kid. Why not? Yeah. Is it because he figures gods are so powerful, like he can't do anything. He's his efforts would be moot anyway. We don't know. There's no there's nothing in the text to suggest any of that. So who knows? Which is the problem. So what I was getting at was like, that's why he feels like he can't have a talk with his kid. Because it's like, what's the point? The kid's just going to do whatever they want anyway. And they're a wee god or god in the making or whatever. So so he checked out? (laughs) That still doesn't make sense, though. That's what it seems like. (laughs) No, my kid's a demigod. I'm just going to check out of this whole thing. (laughs) Screw that. I'm not saying he can raise himself. I'm not saying it's right, but it kind of seems like that's where his head is. I mean, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. 
Okay, well, <laughs> what about the antagonists slash villains? Um, <laughs> uh, so we we got Hermes, and I guess we got Aaron, because they're the ones with the, the powerful shenanigan-making magic. Yeah. And causing all the mayhem. I felt like they were reasonably effective-ish. More like an ish, because, I mean, they're gone for most of the story, so you're trying to hunt for them and just dealing with the problems. It's realistic that a kid would want to have fun until it's not fun anymore. Oh, totally. And as far as Hermes, it's like, yeah, he's he's a god. What you gonna do about it? Nothing. Because he's a god. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's realistic, but I mean, it's, I don't know, like, it was fine. It's sort of effective. <laughs> it's clear that Aaron, for all of his his god, demigod status, he still very much wants to be a normal kid. Oh, I thought so too. And it's just, it's sad to me that he has to go to this extent. Maybe this way I'll get a decent parent who gives a crap. <laughs> Maybe my dad will pay attention to me now. Yep. And even if my dad doesn't, now I'll have a mom who will. <laughs> Yay! It just it, I don't know. I honestly felt just way more sad. What about you? Okay, well, I agree that Aaron and Hermes are basically the the cause of the story, right? So they're primary antagonists in that yes. way. I think they were effective. I actually liked both of those characters. I thought they were interesting and well written, and I think that the the level of presence in the story was fine, especially because it is kind of a wild goose chase sort of story mm -hmm. and i liked that aaron turned out to be just you know a regular kid who happens to have these powers but he's also kind of disturbed by them almost yeah. it seemed like when he was discussing it with ethan and nor that he was like he didn't quite understand it himself and it was kind of upsetting to him mm -hmm. which is honestly kind of fucked up when you think about it but hey it's the greek gods that's what they do I do think that Hermes was pretty effective as well because he was the instigator, right? right? He's like, you know, I'm going to show up because I know that Ethan is a deadbeat dad <laughs> and I'm going to interject myself into Aaron's life and make something happen because why not? Because I can. <laughs> I also put Aphrodite on the list. She really wasn't present in the story whatsoever, but she is Aaron's mom. And essentially, it sounds like she just seduced Ethan to have a baby and then give him the baby. <laughs> like, okay, all right, Aphrodite, I guess that's what you do. You just go around and <laughs> fuck randos. Okay. Yeah, she makes love, Sounds not good. war. Love that. <laughs> Actively. <laughs> so she's on the list. And I put Ethan on the list because if he hadn't blown off Family Fun Day, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. So... It's kind of all his fault. Maybe it still would have happened. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe Hermes still would have shown up. I don't know. Maybe that's why he blew off Family Fun Day. Maybe it was God magic. Yeah. That made him not care. Yeah. It would be nice to know. <laughs> so he could stop like saying what a, <laughs> you know, disinterested parent he is. Because <laughs> at the end of the story, I'm like, wow, what an asshole. <laughs> I mean, not an appealing character whatsoever. I don't know about the average woman reader, but I like my romance hero to be someone who would love his children. Yes. 
Maybe that's just a me thing, but I don't you know. <laughs> For me, that's part of the fantasy of the romance, you know, the man who cares about his kids. Yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, anyway, how did you rate the book? Um, I gave the book a 2.5. Okay. So, yeah. There you go. What about you? I gave it a three. I don't know. I've read a lot of like frothy little love stories like this where the main character gets together, they deal with something and then, oh, now they're together now. They're in love now. The end. And it's just, I guess, like a subgenre kind of like the cozy romance Mm -hmm. type of thing. It's good to have feel goods. Yeah. I mean, it was cute. It was frothy. It was easy to read. I you know, I sat and read it and like, so fast, <laughs> so quickly, just went right through it and, it and it was fun and I enjoyed it. And there were several really funny scenes. And I mean, there is a lot of potential there. I wish that maybe it had been made a bit, I keep saying it, but I wish there had been more depth to some things. Yeah. Um, Would have made it maybe a more impactful story, but I mean, if that's not what the author is going for, then, I mean, they succeeded. They wrote a fun, light, frothy romance, and it was. Mm-hmm. So. Yes, ma'am. And it was cute. Like, I mean, I think a lot of people like to read, oh, it's Valentine's Day, so let's read a Valentine's-themed romance. Or, oh, it's Christmas, let's read a Christmas-themed romance. Of course. Romance. And it's, so. I mean, it's perfectly okay to get the story that you're paying for. I don't mean to put it in such a commercial fashion, but the emotional journey that you want, which granted that may be a very gentle emotional journey. Yeah, or just light yeah. and fun. You know, it's candy for my brain and that's okay. That is absolutely <laughs> fine. It's, we need that. Everything can't be ah, intense all of the time. <laughs> you need the, you know... The comfy, the jacuzzi, the the sweet, <laughs> maybe a little bit of spicy. The warm sweater and a box of chocolates in front of the exactly. fire. Exactly. We need those little vacations. Yeah. Especially, you know, if if you can't take an actual vacation. <laughs> you can't Absolutely. live in stress world, aka the real world, all the time. <laughs> I think it gets a bit much. You can, but then you're usually miserable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or traumatized. <laughs> Every reader their book, right? Yeah. Absolutely fine to to have those escapes. Well, did you feel romanced? No. I I thought it was a cute story, but eh. (laughs) What about you? Yeah, no. I don't think that will surprise you. (laughs) I mean, I really like the premise a lot. I I was hoping. I really enjoyed the premise and, and I really enjoy I really enjoyed the story. I think reader Erica gives Ethan a much bigger pass than reviewer podcast Erica. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. It's hard once you put that thinking camp on and you're like, Yeah, I don't know about this, buddy. It's not looking too good for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, what else have you been reading? Well, not reading, but watching. Um, a documentary called Pink, All I Know So Far, and it's directed by Michael Gracie. So it's following Pink, the musical artist, etc., on tour 
and her family is with her. And so, yeah, it, it shows the joys of that, but the struggles with like work-life balance and how it's taking a pink village. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it was it was good. It was enjoyable. I think you'd like it. Yeah, I probably would. You've been sending me all the pink related things in text lately. <laughs> so this totally tracks. Yes. <laughs> I really like her voice. I love that she has Me that too. voice and that she's amazing yeah. with it. And then secretly, I wish I had her singing voice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, I wish I sounded that awesome. But I don't. So I got to just let that go. She's so talented. <laughs> uh, we all have our strengths. Yes. Well, what about you? What have you been reading? Or enjoying, should I say? So I recently finished Stranded by Heather Fox. This is the first in the Mates for Rescarans series that... Really, I'm recommending the whole series, but I'm recommending the first book because you got to read the first book. It is a sci-fi romance, obviously. Liv is living in a dystopian society in a colony with other humans where it's kind of like a class system. You work a certain job, so you live with those people and you dress a certain way and it's very dystopian and sad. She gets a chance to go to Alpha Colony, which is supposedly this wonderful new colony that, you know, it's a lottery system. And if you get chosen to go, your life is going to be better and wonderful. It's amazing. But the reason she's going, she rigged it. She got a lottery ticket from someone else who didn't want to go because her sister got to go and then disappeared. And she hasn't heard from her again. And she's thinking there's something shifty about Alpha Colony. Well, she and other women who, you know, won the lottery are going to the colony. They get stranded in a jungle on this planet they know nothing about. And it's dangerous and scary and everyone's going to die. <laughs> all the women in this book, they each basically get their own book, but they all are very different. It's very diverse, and they all um, are kick-ass in their own way, which I really liked. But the main character in this book, Liv, ends up having these recurring dreams of this alien man who is very sexy. It's a weird dream because it feels like it's real. She needs help, and she tells him she needs help. She doesn't realize it's actually real, even though it feels real. But he realizes it's real because it is. And ends up going to help her. I don't really want to reveal too much, but the the thing in this world is that, you know, we have faded mates, of course. And when the Rescarin is close enough in distance to their faded mate, they have dreams together. So he realizes that's what's going on and goes to rescue her. I am so certain. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That also seems to be a sci-fi romance trope. Does it not? It does. <laughs> Sorry, I'm possibly feeling a little doubtful. No, just more like, are we sure? <laughs> you know, kind of like with this story, like, yeah, but how much free will is involved? <laughs> well, I was just going to bring that up because doesn't the concept of faded mates have a consent issue? Yeah. At that point, are you consenting if you have to be with that person 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Like your biology is making you or whatever. <laughs> I guess it depends on how much it's making me or them. What are the consequences? <laughs> well, a lot of the time in these stories, it's, and of course, it's a fantasy, right? right? So it's the, the guy has some biological imperative that no only this one woman will do for me Mm -hmm. and the woman has to like kind of talk herself into it or like come around Mm -hmm. to it and i think that is part of the fantasy you know to have a guy i mean if you like guys so besotted with you and only you you know he's never going to cheat on you because he has absolutely no desire to do that because of this biology thing or because of fate or because of whatever you know, whatever the reason is behind the faded mates in that story. So I get it, but it also, it, it could be dark. It doesn't seem to be very often in these books, but potentially it could be really fucking dark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just spitballing here. <laughs> no, you're preaching to the choir. <laughs> Finding the shadows. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I would turn away from that either. I'd be kind of interested to see how that gets handled in more of a dark way. And maybe I'm missing out on some awesome book that already exists. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Well, here you you just need to trap a writer and make them write the types of things you want to (laughs) read. I'll just go find my favorite author and go full misery on them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not advocating this, by the way. It kind of sounded like you were suggesting. (laughs) So if it happens, it's basically your fault. Great. (laughs) Just add it to the list. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Broad shoulders, I can take it. And on that note, (laughs) on that note, check out our website, (laughs) romancepodcast.com for show notes, other episodes, and our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. And we're still on Twitter. Although, maybe not for much longer <laughs> at Romance Cast. Speaking awkwardly of Twitter, were you romanced by Nora Nathan's story? Let us know what you think. And of course, join us next time when we discuss Book Lovers by Emily Henry. Bye! Bye. <laughs> Most awkward bye ever, I love it. Favorite uh, Valentine's Day chocolate. If such a thing exists. All chocolate. I mean, it is. All chocolate is good. Some chocolate is better than others. I, though, am not thinking of chocolate. I love those nasty conversation cards. <laughs> not the crunchy ones. They have to be the kind of soft, melty ones. Oh, okay. I think it's just something about that time of year where I'm like, okay, I want to eat crappy candy. Okay, fair enough. What about you and candy and Valentine's Day? I like the chocolate cover cherries. Oh, yeah. Those are so good. Got those maraschino cherries. It's basically plastic and battery acid, but I love them. It's basically heaven in case. Yeah, I mean, they're terrible, but they're wonderful. (laughs) See, same thing, right? Like, crappy candy, holiday. There's a correlation there. (laughs)